Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. Coming fresh off week zero, Gav. College football was back, and it was pretty fun to see, man. College football's back. Wasn't the whole lot of blockbuster marquee matchups to go over from this past weekend, but nonetheless, excited to have football back and excited to be able to do some analyzing because we saw some things in these games that need to be talked about. Absolutely. So jumping into the schedule here for y'all today, we got a pretty quick show going. We got the breakdown of week zero and all the action that happened there. And then we're previewing a couple of those games before Thursday. Later this week, we'll come at you guys with the AFC preview and the full breakdown of the college football slate. But without further ado, let's jump into these week zero games here. Starting with Notre Dame and Navy and Gav, Notre Dame's offense looked as advertised. Did you see uh, Sam Hartman pulled up to the field rocking his own rib that he got removed in the offseasons? I mean, he looked pretty ready to go there. Yeah, absolute baller move from the from the young man. Not even a young man at this point, fifth year senior, but the Irish came out and they did what we hoped to see from them. We talked about them during the AACC preview and we said that their ceiling is about as high as they want to make it. We just hope that they don't pull a classic Notre Dame and underperform. They didn't. Audric Estime came out almost 100 yards on the ground. The offensive line looked phenomenal. And Sam Hartman with four TDs through the air. You, you'd love to see that if you're an Irish fan. Yeah, and you mentioned the ground game, 193 yards in total. They looked awesome there, and that allowed Sam Hartman to be incredibly efficient. I mean, not only did he have those four scores, but he was 19 of 23 through the air. We talked over in the ACC preview about them lacking a true star in the wide receiver room, but after watching this game, I really don't think that matters. Hartman was able to really spread the ball all over the field. They don't really need a guy, and if they can run the ball the way they did in this game consistently, I think they're going to be just fine offensively. But jumping over the defense, I thought the defense played really well. They stopped pretty much everything Navy threw at them out the middle. The only time Navy Navy was able to get a little bit of an edge on them was on the edge. They were able to run the ball outside pretty well, which could be a problem for Notre Dame later in the year as they play teams with more talent in the backfield. But overall, this game was just super impressive for Notre Dame and a really solid win. Going into, an, into another confidence builder against Tennessee State next week. And I got to pat myself on the back real quick for calling Notre Dame to cover and giving y'all the over. That's a 2-0 day for me right there. Actually, the under hit in that game. So we, we were both on the under there. It was 45 was the, the final score there. But they did cover with, with ease. So hats off to you there. I know I had Navy myself. However, that was my one loss in the weekend. I had the under in the Notre Dame game. I had Navy under 14 and a half points. As you said, Navy was able to get the edge on Notre Dame a couple of times. And that does concern me a little bit because I do have fear for teams that are going to be able to spread the Irish out. Navy runs the triple option offense. You know what you're getting. The Irish interior looked phenomenal phenomenal but when you play a team you know you said they got a tennessee state next week but looking ahead to three weeks from now you got the ohio state buckeyes followed by the duke blue devils followed by louisville and then usc which are four teams that are going to throw the ball spread this defense out and make them make plays, which they did not have to make this weekend. Yeah, and the secondary is the thing that we're really looking forward to seeing at a Notre Dame this year, too. So the fact they didn't really get a true test here is really something that we got to look for in these games coming up here. But as I said, Tennessee State, not a true test. Then they're at NC State, which will be their first game of the year where they actually have a guy who can throw the ball a little bit. So we'll see how that goes for them. But that wraps up all I had to say about Notre Dame. I think this was a really solid win and a game where Marcus Freeman came out and put his foot down and said, hey, I, I'm the leader of this team and I want to see us reach our expectations for this year. Yeah, if you're a Notre Dame fan, that performance is precisely what you wanted to see and a lot to build on moving forward. Jumping over to a game where the performance was exactly what you didn't want to see, at least for me, it was USC versus San Jose State. Now, yeah, the media is going to tell you that USC dominated this game, which the offense absolutely did. But this game was way too close in the first half for me. The offense eventually found their rhythm and Caleb took over. He put up yet another really impressive performance, 278 yards to the air, four scores in the air. But that's the thing for me. This offense was pretty much all Caleb. The running game was okay. I mean, Austin Jones looked really good, putting up nine yards of carry and two scores. But I really don't see another guy 
guy in that backfield, at least with this current committee structure they got going, that's going to live up to it. Marshawn Lloyd was a little underwhelming. I really could see them easily just having Austin Jones be the bell cow going forward. But yeah, Caleb was kind of the guy for this team offensively. They really did struggle in the first half to score. And it wasn't until Caleb really found his footing and became aggressive that this team started to really run it up on San Jose State. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that it looked like it was all Caleb. You also got to remember that this is an offense which is essentially brand new. Lincoln Riley once again went out and utilized the transfer portal, bringing in Dorian Singer. A highlight from this team was certainly Zachariah Branch. You had to love what he was doing on the field, making plays on special teams as well as on offense. They put up 56 points but not a true test of what they're going to play coming up in, you know, games against Washington, Oregon later on in the year. We do expect this offense to continue to improve as they have more time to play together. But to be quite frank, the offense isn't a concern to me. It's Lincoln Riley. They're going to score. This defensive showing was downright horrendous. And if you remember, Jasper, the two things we wanted to see USC improve upon this year during our Pac-12 preview was getting off the field on third down and stopping the run. You know how many yards per carry San Jose, San Jose State averaged yesterday? Seven yards per carry against San Jose State. That is incredibly concerning for Trojans fans across the country. If they're giving up seven against San Jose State, I can only imagine the gashing the team like Utah would put on this, this Trojan defense right now. They need to figure that out, and they need to figure that out fast. Yeah, and I said on the pod Friday that if they let San Jose State score 21 points, I'd be really concerned, and they put up 28. I mean, this is a game where USC should have easily covered that 30 and a half spread. There was really no challenges. They let Cordero throw three touchdowns it was pretty crazy now i understand this is the first game this defense is low with the transfers who still need to gel but we talked about being able to force turnovers last year being the highlight of the usc defense only forced one fumble i don't even remember if they recovered it or not but i'm not going to write off the trojans because they can score at will and with the talent they have on offense but i really need to see more out of this defense going forward they take on a nevada team next week where i expect them to play more like the team we saw in the second half of this game but regardless i'm not buying the usc defense just yet yeah, you hit the nail on the head. This team needs to gel, and I do think they have time to do it. As you mentioned, Nevada next week coming into the Coliseum, followed by Stanford coming into the town. Then they go on the road to Arizona State, on the road to Colorado, and at home against Arizona. They're lucky that's the first half of their schedule because all, all six of those games, they're going to be double-digit double favorites, probably favored by almost 20 in most of those games. Then the back half we talked about during the Pac-12 preview is loaded with incredibly difficult games. Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA to round out the back half of the schedule. These first six games, they need to figure out how to play together and they need to do it fast because that defensive showing yesterday is not going to win them games coming down the stretch. I want to give him a little credit in the secondary because they did hold Perdera to under 200 yards. And the one pass he did connect with for the deep touchdown was just, that was a dime. There was nothing they could really do on that one. That was just incredible to see. But yeah, this offense is going to be explosive, but we need to see more out of the defense going forward. So Trojans, I'm a little concerned for y'all right now. Very concerned. And it's, it comes down to stopping that run and getting off the field in third down. Two things they sucked at last season and two things they continue to suck at last night. Yeah, and there weren't a lot of other fun games here in week zero, but jumping over to the Thursday slate, we get to see Graham Mertz and Florida open up week one against the Utes in Salt Lake City. And on the surface, this game looks to be all about defense and who can run the ball more effectively. Cam Rising's coming in this game healthy for week one, which is a huge plus for this team. But we talked about this team lacking depth at receiver. And with a Florida secondary that for the most part is young and unproven, Rising might have the ability to take advantage 
advantage of that if he's truly as healthy as Utah says he is. Other than that, this game is going to be a battle of the trenches. You got two really strong defensive fronts going at each other. As of now, I think Utah has the upper hand on the offensive line side of things and in the quarterback department, which should help them get that ground attack going early. But Florida's defensive front is more than ready to take on anything Utah throws their way. Yeah, to me, this is a game of how well can this Florida defense hold up against the Utah offense that should be explosive, a Utah offense that's going to be physical. Not only the Utah offense, but Utah defense too. I think we know what we're going to get from this Florida offense, especially after watching Graham Mertz play football for three years. They're going to run the ball, and that's tough to do against a physical Utah front. It's probably even tougher to throw against this Utah secondary, though, which is going to be one of the best in the country. Utah's going to win this football game. I have concerns for them covering the touchdown that the line is currently set at only because of Florida's physicality on defense and Cam Rising returning from injury. To me, this is Cam Rising's time to show us that this injury means nothing. Torn ACL in the Rose Bowl, you just hate to see that from a, a guy who has so much promise, especially long-term promise in the NFL. It's tough to come back from that, especially on a team that we have high expectations for. I am really, really looking forward to seeing how he performs and how he leads this offense come Thursday. Yeah, and it's not really a hard injury to come back from, but it's a hard injury to come back from in the time frame with which he got it. I mean, you got that injury to end the season. I get if it was something where he got midseason, but that was like the Rose Bowl. Like that was only back in January. He had it within this year. So I think Utah has a really good chance. I like him to cover this spread. I like the under in this game as well. This game's going to come down to which team. It's going to be all about clock management and long drives and who's going to run the football more effectively and take up most of the play clock. I mean, we're going to see what Cam Rising has. I hope he's able to get the ball in the air, but obviously, lost Kincaid last year no true standouts at wide receiver here we're gonna see what happens I think this game's gonna be fun it's gonna be a game that's all about clock management and who runs the ball more effectively on the ground and I'm I'm honestly kind of excited to see what Graham Mertz in Florida looks like I mean I don't expect him to improve but if he has more power to him yeah, I'm, I'm equally excited as well, and I'm right there with you on loving the under. The the football might be ran on the ground 65 times this game between these two teams. They're, that's that's going to be the focal point for each of these offenses, especially considering, as we said, Grammar's coming in as quarterback for Florida and Cam Rising coming off that torn ACL in the Rose Bowl. It's going to be physical, and in a physical battle, I do like the Utah Utes to win. However, in a physical battle, I hate giving up more than a touchdown. So I'm going to steer clear of the spread here and simply say take the under. I have confidence that going to hit. Utah playing at home where they play well, hardly ever lose. I expect them to win in a close game, closer than more people think it's going to be. Same here. I mean, I think I'm inclined to take the six and a half just because I feel like Utah's the more complete team in offense and can bust off a big play where Florida can't. But I love the under as well. As I said, this game's going to be all about who can control the play clock on the ground. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited for it. Jumping over to another game to watch this week. The Big Ten opens its slate with Minnesota versus Nebraska. Minnesota opened the season with a lot of hype around them and they're going to take on a new look Nebraska squad. For me, this is just a storyline game as we get to see the Gophers of the real deal as well as see the improvement Matt Rule is able to make to this Cornhusker squad over the offseason. I'm super excited to see if Jeff Simmons can get after it at Nebraska. I think he has a chance to really improve as a player now that he's moved on from Georgia Tech. But we'll also get to see what Black's squad is made of against a formidable opponent right out of the gate. I'm excited to see who in this Gopher backfield can fill that hole left by Mo Ibrahim. To me, this game reminds me a lot of the Illinois-Nebraska matchup from Week 0 in 2021 where Nebraska was favored by a touchdown. This time I have them flipping the script and covering that 7.5 spread. I expect this game to be a close Big Ten battle to open conference play. 
I'm right there with you on another close game and closer than most people are going to think it's going to be. Seven and a half, the current line right now, over under set at 43 and a half. Once again, I like the under. I think this is Jeff Sims' game for Nebraska. The ball is in his hands. There's simply too many moving parts on the rest of the team, on the offensive and defensive side of the football. Too many players from last season that need to be replaced. It's going to take some time for this to come together. But if there's one thing the Matt Rule knows how to do with the college football team, it's get them to play physical and make some plays on defense. And that's exactly what I expect the Cornhuskers to do. Looking at the Golden Gophers, you bring in Haldi Manis at quarterback. He got his feet wet a little bit last season towards the end of the season. And then Sean Taylor, or Sean Tyler, sorry, uh, Western Michigan transfer running back. I think he's the guy that steps up and attempts to fill that hole left by Ibrahim. No one's ever going to. He's probably the best running back to ever come through that, that university. But you look around the rest of the offense and the receiving core is going to be great. You got Chris Ottman Bell coming back. He had a leg injury that kept him out for most of last season. Brevin Span forward. He's a pretty deep decent tight end in that Big Ten conference that is known for their tight ends. And the offensive line, it's Minnesota. It's not going to be a problem. They'll find some 6'8", 350-pound big boys to just throw out and <laughs> protect the QB and get the running game going. Not worried about them. Minnesota is the better team in this game. They're going to win. It's going to be closer than most people think, and that's because it's week zero. Teams are still gelling together, and it is the Big Ten after all. It's going to be a physical game. Matt Rule thrives in physical games, and this Minnesota pass rush doesn't exist. And I think that's the key to Nebraska moving the ball down the field and getting some points on the board. And that's going to be huge for Jeff Sims as well. Well-known dual threat quarterback. He's going to be able to get outside and make some plays. I think you're exactly right. Minnesota does win this game. It's just going to be a classic Midwest battle who can be more physical up front. And Minnesota is obviously going to prevail because they have the better squad. Correct. On paper, they're at home. They're better all around. And despite the recent allegations about a cult-like culture in Minnesota, I do believe PJ Fleck gets his boys ready to go and they come away 1-0. Same here. They buy into the Colt project and it gets going for Minnesota. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up our show. As I said, it was going to be a quick one for y'all today. Just a couple breakdowns. We got the AFC preview coming up this week, as well as a loaded show with college football action. So we'll have tons of content for you going forward. As always, thank you for giving us your ears and we'll see you later this week. See y'all Wednesday.